Morning, Journey. There's going to be a picture that comes up here on the screen in just a minute as I fix this. Um, and in this picture, it's in Santorum, Brazil. There is a place called the Meeting of the Waters. And at this place called the Meeting of the Waters, this is where the Negro and the Salamos rivers come together, and eventually they form the Amazon River. Now, these two rivers originate from different places, and they flow at different speeds, and they even have different temperatures and density and colors. And you can picture in your mind that when they converge, <laughs> thank you for catching that, um, that when they converge, they don't actually mix for six miles. So there's a six-mile stretch where these two rivers, which are distinctly different and beautiful in their own way, stay separated. This six-mile stretch is divided, and, and the, Solomos, the Solomos River side kind of looks like what I would describe as coffee, or, or coffee the way my wife drinks it, where it's like a lot of cream and a little bit of coffee. And it's kind of this milky, coffee-looking river. And the Negro side looks like I would say is Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper or something like that. And, and together, it's almost like an oil and water for these six miles. And for these six miles, neither of these rivers are willing to mesh together. But eventually, after about six or seven miles, they blend together and they form what most people consider is the greatest river in the world, the Amazon River. Now, last week, if you were here in our series, Masterpiece in Progress, Dave explained and, and exegeted scripture and showed us in the first half of Ephesians chapter 2 how we are individually being formed into a masterpiece by Jesus. He talked to us about how you and I individually have been redeemed and restored, and we are being formed into this beautiful masterpiece that is forgiven and set free by Jesus. But this week in our text, we're going to finish Ephesians chapter 2. You can get there in your Bibles or your app now if you want. But this week, Paul is going to go further, and he's going to show us that how together God is doing the same thing for us corporately. So all the things that Dave talked about last week and that Paul talked about in the first 10 verses of how you and I individually are being shaped into this beautiful picture of God's redemption, now in the last 10 or so verses of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is going to talk about how God has the same plan for us together as the body of Christ. So we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to walk through this. So we're just going to read the first couple of verses. Paul says, Therefore... So because of all the stuff that Paul talked about last week, because, of, because that you and I individually are redeemed, restored, and set free and being formed into this beautiful masterpiece that looks like Jesus, because of that, he says, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of the promises, having no hope, and you were without God in the world. And there's this shift where it's like this one verse, this one sentence in Paul's letter where he just got done telling you, you're redeemed, you're restored, you're set free in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, you've been made whole by Jesus and what he did on the cross. But don't forget, at one time, you were horrible right? 
Like, I feel like sometimes that's like when you go, it's like the parent who's like, you did a great job, but don't forget, you used to not be very good. Like, don't let your head to, I'm that parent in our house. Like, Megan's really good at building our kids up. I am really great at keeping them humble. <laughs> it's a gift. And that's what Paul says. He's like, this is all things, but don't forget where you came. And Paul's going to remind us of something in this passage. Paul's going to go on to say that all the things that Jesus has done, now you can be formed together as these individuals into this beautiful picture of God's redemption. But he wants to make sure you and I remember at the start, if you and I want to be formed into this team, into this corporate gathering of people who God is painting this beautiful picture of redemption, we have to remember where we come from. You and I have to remember that we weren't always on this team. Listen to what Paul tells us. He's telling the Gentile believers, he's telling you and I that before we knew Jesus, don't forget that you and I, we were separated from Jesus. We were alienated from the family of God. We were strangers to God's promises. And we were people who had no hope. Paul wants to make sure that you and I understand fully this morning, before we're ever joined together into this beautiful community of God's redemption, that we have to be reminded of where we came from. We have to be reminded that we weren't on this team originally. You and I, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, we weren't always Christ followers. There were moments in our life before Jesus where we were not a part of the family of God. We were separated from Jesus, alienated from God's people, strangers to the promises that God gives us, and we had no hope. In Ephesians chapter 1, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Paul said it's in Jesus that we have redemption through his blood. We get forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Jesus as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to Jesus, all things to God, things in heaven and things on earth. It has been God's plan since the beginning to unite all things in him. But in order for that to happen, you and I have to have this baseline where we, are, we know and we remember that we weren't on this group originally. And why is that important? Because the baseline of us coming together as unique and different individuals is that you and I have to remember we all came from the same place. We might have different families and different backgrounds and different heritages. We might have different uh, lives that we've lived. We've done different things. We've seen different things. We've said different things. Some of us have walked with Jesus most of our life. Some of us didn't come to Jesus till way later in our life. All of us come from all these places, but the reality is we all come from the same place. Whether you've walked with Jesus 100 years or this is your first day, all of us came from the same place. We were sinners, separated from Jesus, alienated from the family of God. We were strangers to his promises, and we had no hope. All of us, every single person, comes from a place of hopelessness without Jesus. And Paul goes on. It gets better. <laughs> he goes on in verse 13. He says, but now. It's another big but. I was really hoping you would laugh because I, I saw that you didn't laugh last week at Dave when he said it, and so I was really hoping I could sneak that in. But now in Christ Jesus, 
He says, you once were. You once were far off, but you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For Jesus himself is our peace. He is who, he who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He did it by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he, Jesus, might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and Jesus preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were already near. For through Jesus, we both, we all, have access in one spirit to the Father. You and I this morning have to remember, we have to know that we all come from the same place. But what is equally true is that we all got here through the same person. Jesus is who got us on this team. Nobody else and nothing that we've done. We all come from the same place, and we all got here through the same person. Listen to what Paul says Jesus did to get us on this team. He says, Jesus redeemed and restored us by his blood. We needed the death of Jesus to be reconciled to God. And that should help us remember that we have to die to be reconciled to each other. Jesus brought peace with God and with each other. Paul's been explaining in the first half of chapter 2 how through Jesus you and I can be reconciled and restored to God. And now in the last half of chapter 2, he's explaining to us how in Jesus even the most hostile and violent and horrible enemies can be reconciled to each other into this beautiful picture of God's redemption and restoration. If you spend any time studying the world that Paul was living in, you'll see that the social division that was there, it becomes pretty clear that the barriers and the divisions that you and I experience even today were no more difficult or horrible or prevalent than the separation that existed in Paul's day between Jews and Gentiles. And that's what Paul's talking about is this separation because of where you come from. In fact, in Paul's day, the Jews actually believed that Gentiles were created for one purpose. Their purpose was to fuel the fires of hell. In fact, in Paul's day, it was lawful, it was not lawful, excuse me, it was against the law to help a Gentile woman give birth because if you were a Jew, you believed that you were only helping to bring in another heathen into the world. There was an actual physical wall that stood between the Jewish nation and other nations. There was even a physical wall in the Jewish temple where they worshiped that separated the court where Gentiles could be allowed in, but they could not get to the rest of the temple. And in that court, there was a sign that said, no foreigner may enter within this barricade which surrounds the sanctuary where we worship. And its enclosure, anyone who is caught doing so, the sign read, will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. And I tell you that to tell you this. It is devastatingly sad that we still deal with the same kind of separation today. But you and I need to understand that all the division and all the hatred and all the evil that we deal with in our everyday life was going on in Paul's day too. There were groups of people who, who it seemed 
impossible to bring together. And Paul says, but Jesus brought peace, not just between us and God, like we talked about last week, but Jesus died so we could have peace between each other. Jesus died, Paul says, to bring unity. Paul drills down on this in his focus by telling us that Jesus himself not only gives peace, but is in fact the one in whom we find peace with each other. The, the, world, the word that Paul uses that we often translate reconcile, it literally means to bring together again. And here's what I love about that is that it's three words and not two. That word reconcile that Paul uses here doesn't just say bring together. He says bring together again. And I think that word again is really important for you and I this morning because it reminds us that this has always been God's intention, that God created the world without division, hatred, and disunity. And so that when we come together as followers of Jesus, we're actually getting back to what God already created. He's bringing it together again well, you and I have to remember that God's design and God's plan has been this way all along. Disunity and division and hatred is a human, fallen world creation, not God's. That's why Paul says over and over in the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In chapter 6, he says, there's neither circumcision counts for anything, nor does uncircumcision. What matters is a new creation. You and I all came from the same place. We were hopeless without Jesus, alienated from the family of God, separated from God. And we've all been brought to redemption by the same person. Nobody got in to heaven. Nobody got into the faith of Jesus because of what they did or where they come from or what they look like or who they are. All of us came from the same fallen sinful place and all of us got here by the same person who died on a cross. The term joined together that Paul uses is a Greek word, sinermolegeo. I just totally butchered that. I literally practiced that like 20 times this morning. Synermologeo, and it comes from a root word in the Greek that means harmonize together. And this word in Paul's day was used when all the different random parts of something were made into a complete whole. It, it was used like when different music was blended together in harmony, or when a husband and wife were joined together in wedlock. It was used for fitting planks together on a ship or stones together in a building. And the emphasis was that you could have vastly different parts, but they could be harmoniously blended together into something whole. You and I all come from the same place. And we're all redeemed and restored and made whole by the same person. So God wants to paint this beautiful picture of us coming together into something bigger than ourselves. Well, Paul finishes the chapter in verse 19. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
in Jesus you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You and I have to remember we all come from the same place. Sinful, fallen people separated from God and all of us have been redeemed, restored, and set free by the same person. His name is Jesus. So what Paul is calling us to today, what he was calling Gentiles and Jews to in his day, is to live in the freedom of the family of God. Listen to what Paul tells us we're supposed to be now. He says we're citizens with everyone in the household of God. In Philippians 3, Paul said, my citizenship, our citizenship as Christians, it's not, it's in heaven, and it's from it that we await the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are no longer first and foremost citizens of where we live or where we come from. What Paul is describing is literally a new group of people all together as one. Our primary citizenship and allegiance is no longer where we come from or where we live. It is where we are headed, under the banner of King Jesus. See, it's, it's really important for you and I to remember that Jesus, when he left this earth, he didn't tell us to go and make disciples of people just like us. <laughs> he didn't say, hey, you know what, just go make disciples of the people you like. Just go make disciples of the people in your family or your people group or your community. Actually, Jesus told us to go make disciples of all nations. See, in, in the church, in this family, no one can claim to be better than anybody else based on where they come from because we all have the same heritage. We all came from a place where we were fallen and sinful. We were sinners in need of a Savior, separated from God, redeemed by a Savior who died for us. It's that common dependence that brings us together. We can't be better than each other because of where we came from because we all came from the same place. And it's our job, it's our mission as a family to remind anyone who has ever been made to feel not worthy that they are worthy not because of where they come from or because of what they've done, but because of Jesus. And to remind those gently in the church who think they're better than someone else that we, that they are not because we all needed the same Savior. Nothing more, nothing less. So I think it's time that you and I elevate each other regardless of gender or race or heritage or economic standing or popularity to simply people who were saved by Jesus, redeemed from sin by a Savior, loved and valued by God, family. No matter race or creed. To think that we can be separate from the church and the community as followers of Jesus, to think that someone's not good enough to get in is a lie straight from the devil. Jesus tells us that we are fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. He says now that we've been redeemed together, we're a spiritual house that's built on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus' intention was nothing short. Don't miss this this morning. Jesus' intention was nothing short of completely reuniting the human race that he created back into one humanity from what had become two. No longer Gentile and Jew was, was not the defining banner anymore. But one people who had been reconciled to God through Jesus. 
in your housetops might look different than the person you sit next to on Sunday morning. And that's okay. My housetop might be all buttoned up and like all in order because I'm kind of a type A personality. Your housetop might be chaos and some of you might have a house that you put a water slide in because you're crazy, right? And your house, your housetop might look completely different than mine. Your housetop might be a little bit more beat up than mine because of the life that you've had and my housetop might look a little less than this and all of our housetops might look different and that's okay because God created us each with unique housetops. We all look different. We all act different. We have different personalities and different things in our life, and that's beautiful. We should celebrate that. But the reality is the thing that makes our housetop stand is all the same. And what my house has in common with your house really doesn't matter except that it's built on the foundation of Jesus and his word. And that our houses will be the ones that are standing, not because of what we've decorated them with or what we've put on them, not because of how we look or what we've done or what our life has been like, your house and my house will all stand for the same reason, because it's on a foundation of Jesus. Paul tells us that you and I are supposed to be the dwelling place of God now. The dwelling place of God. And don't miss this, the problem in Paul's day was that the dwelling place of God wouldn't let everybody in. The Jewish nation had kept people who were not Jewish out in an outer court because they didn't think they were good enough to come to God. And now you and I are the dwelling place of God. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have become a dwelling place of God. And so church, can I ask you this morning, who are you not letting in? Who do you think in your life isn't good enough to come into the house of God? Because we have this commonality now that goes beyond where we come from or who we belong to. We have this common language in Jesus, <clears throat> a common history of sinfulness and separation from Jesus, a common heritage of being redeemed in Jesus, a common allegiance to King Jesus that is above all of our other loyalties. We have a common goal to glorify God in a common eternal destination in a place that Jesus is preparing for all people who are in him. Paul makes it clear that Jesus wants to create a people right now, not just isolated individuals who believe in him, but a people, not a person, a people who are moving for Jesus and live together in Jesus. A beautiful corporate group masterpiece. Bible scholar Warren Wearsby said, Jesus died to make reconciliation to God possible, and you and I must live to make the message of reconciliation personal. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 that all of this is from God, who through Jesus reconciled, himself, reconciled us to himself and gave us the minister, ministry of reconciliation. I want you to think of it this way. We're going to see how this goes. I like cake. I don't know if you figured that out. I feel like I've done a good job of making that pretty obvious. I don't know where to put these. Um, and these are some of the ingredients that you put in cake. I need to save two of those for later. 
And they're all good in their own way, right? Like, I like milk. I drink sissy milk because I have a weird stomach. And so, like, you can put milk in there, and milk is good, right? I like milk. You can put vanilla. This really isn't vanilla. I couldn't find any, but it looks like it. So pretend. <laughs> I don't really know what it is. Chocolate natural burst. That should be good in cake, right? Okay. I would drink that if you told me I could have a cup of chocolate natural burst. That sounds great, right? Sugar, I'm all about that. A little more, right? Flour, I think that's supposed to be in cake. I don't know that I would eat flour on its own, but I like flour and lots of things. Baking powder, I didn't know till this morning that this is different than baking soda. So don't ask me to bake you a real cake. <laughs> these are all good. Some of you like these things. You're weird. Um, I call them chicken butt nuggets because uh, I think they're gross. Normally you wouldn't put the shells in, but I forgot to bring somewhere else to put them. Okay. That went better than I anticipated. Now, on their own, they're all right, right? I can put these things in by themselves and they look great. The eggs kind of float over here on the side. There's a pile of sugar, which looks good. The milk sank to the bottom. There's a streak of chocolate burst running through the middle of your cake. It looks great. They're all on their own way. They're great. And I could probably put this in the oven, right? And I have no idea what will come out, but I'm guessing it's not good, right? So what do I have here? I got things that in their own right are great. But all I have now is a bowl of potential that will never become anything that it was intended to be. It will never become what it could be unless I mix it and stir it together before I stick it in the oven. Church, Dave did a great job last week. I watched a sermon online. It was so good of showing us in the first half of Ephesians chapter 2 that you and I are individually being made into a masterpiece that is redeemed and restored and made whole by Jesus. And on our own, it is this beautiful picture of what Jesus has for us. But as the band comes this morning to lead us in our song, can I tell you something? Paul's reminding us in the last half of chapter 2 that there's something even better that God can do but we got to be mixed together. That you and I individually are set free, restored, redeemed, and made whole by the grace and the mercy and the sacrifice of Jesus. But Paul tells us in the last half of Ephesians 2 that he is painting an even bigger, more beautiful picture of God's redeemed people from all nations coming together for his glory. But we got to be willing to be stirred we got to be willing to say, Jesus, you could do more if I gave up who I am to be who you created us to be. And the picture of redemption that Jesus does in our individual lives is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Boy, I wonder what Jesus would do is if we all mixed together and let him cook. I think what he would do is he would bring a little piece of heaven on earth I think he would bring what he describes in Revelation 7. When Jesus, when the writer of Revelation said, After this I looked, 
And behold, a great multitude that no one could number, too many to count, from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and all languages, and they were standing together before the throne and before the Lamb of God. They were clothed in white robes. They'd been made clean. They held palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and around the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, and they said, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. I don't know about you, That sounds like a masterpiece that only Jesus can do in us. All nations, every tribe, every language, together for the glory of God. Amen.